Welcome to the Waterways World Podcast, brought to you in association with ABC Leisure Group, operators of higher fleets and marinas around the UK. Hello and welcome to the Waterways World Podcast. I'm Bobby Cowling, the editor. And in this episode, I'm joined by writer Alison Alzerton, who has had many features published in the magazine over the years, documenting her extensive travels across Europe aboard her Dutch barge replica, Lily. During our chat, Alison describes her love of the waterways of Ireland and Sweden and her passion for out-of-season boating. Plus, a little about her canine cruising companions. So, let's take a listen. The primary thing we want to discuss is your extensive cruising. I mean, how many countries have you cruised? How many countries? Oh, it's actually not that many. It's England, Ireland, um, France, but not in Lily. Um, the, ne- okay. the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, and Sweden, and briefly into Norway. That's pretty impressive. So that's eight eight countries. But it's not just—it's not just the fact you've clocked up the miles. It's also that you've spent considerable time on some of these waterways. Yes, as well. yeah. I'm a great believer in you never really get to know a waterway unless you've seen it through all seasons. I think it's all very well to go on a holiday in the middle of summer and and see it in all its glory. But yes. for me, it's those times when the holiday makers retreat and you have those waterways to yourself. That's when they really come into their own and spending winter in some of the places that um, I've been lucky enough to spend in has just been magical. And for me, it's those moments that um, will always stick in my mind. Of course. I like that theory, actually, the, um, you know, spending a year on the waterway in order to fully understand what it's all about. It really is amazing how, how they change from the hustle and bustle of everything mm. it's a bit like a seaside resort in in this country uh, you, you know all the holiday makers flock to it and it's busy and it's really buzzy and exciting but then you see the people start to disperse and it and fade away and it's then for me that the waterway really comes to life and and the nature sort of comes back and it's not quite so frightened and you get to see all the wonderful bird life and yeah, that's that's the time I cherish. No, that's perfectly understandable. Alison, when did your boating adventure start? Well, really, I suppose it was around about 1996. So really, in some ways, I was quite quite late to boating. Mm. Um, it was it was my husband, um, obviously his boyfriend at the Roger. time, but he had a quite a long background with canal boat holidays. Um, my links with waterways are a little bit different. My um, father was brought up alongside the Chichester Canal in West Sussex, and my family oh, right. home was always always there. So the canal right. played quite a big part in her lives, but not from a sense that I ever went boating on it. It wasn't yeah. until I met my now husband that he really got me into it. I did a little bit of coastal uh, fishing, down in West Sussex, but um, no real inland waterways boating until then. And the first holiday we had together was on the Norfolk Broads, and that was oh, it. Wow. I was hooked. So what happened from there? It's like most people. When we went on holiday, we went on boating holidays. 
and we went all over the place really we did um Kennet and Avon Canal that which I really love mm. and uh, then we went over to Ireland and shortly after the Shannon Waterway had um sort of really begun to be noticed uh, after it had been restored so we, we fell in love with Ireland the moment we arrived there, the lake systems. And it's a different kind of boating on the on the Shannon because it's a lake system. It's different from anything we have here in England. And uh, then from, from there, we actually bought a share in a boat, and which was based down in France. So up until this point, you were hiring presumably narrow boats yes. or Oh, cruisers, yeah. The boat share was uh, down in Burgundy in France, um, oh, St. Wow. Jean de Lone. Okay. So, yeah, right. and we really we really sort of cut our teeth. And I'd recommend anybody thinking about getting a boat to, if they have a chance to go that way, to, um, to do that. The syndicate ship route at that time, I don't know what it's like nowadays, but at that time it was a great way in for us. Uh, we actually right. did all our helmsman's certificates through through the um, company. Unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. But um, yeah. it, we really cut our teeth on that boat. We got to learn so much. And again, we cruised quite a lot out of, out of season in France. So we even spent Christmases on the Seine. And we sort of ventured up the dubs really early in the spring. And everybody would think we were mad going out of the marina. But... but <laughs> Like I said before, they were the times that we really loved and we felt yeah. like we were sort of pioneers in a way, that it was we were doing something different and exciting and, yeah, we just loved it. Do you know of many um, syndicate schemes that are focused on waterways abroad? At, at the time, there were, there were several, but I really don't know nowadays. I, I know the boat that we actually had our share in has, has gone on some of the owners, have, uh, when the company folded, have got together and purchased the boat themselves, and they still run that as a as a private syndicate ship now. And the boat is oh, still I in see. France, and she's still got, still going strong. And that was oh, that lovely. would be back in around ninety eight when we were there. Yeah. So yeah, she's still going strong now. And you know, I speak to a few people on Facebook that have shares in her, and and they love her just as much as we did, which is fantastic. Yeah. Of course. So when did the Dutch barge Lily come into your life? Uh, well, Lily, we that's a bit of a long story because we'd been looking for a boat for a long time and um, we'd, we'd had all these holidays mm. and, um, and things like that. And uh, she came into our lives. I'm just trying to think what the actual date would have been. I think on the website it said uh, 2005. Yeah, it would have been about then because we just purchased Lily, but we had a canal boat mm. holiday booked on the Ashby Canal. So we sort of we purchased Lily, and um, oh, like wow. within a, a few <laughs> weeks we were we were off again on the canal boat holiday. So it was all it was all rather odd. So yeah, so it would have been around about 2004, yes. I think. Yeah, Lily's a 1996 built Dutch barge replica, is that right? Yeah, she's a replica Dutch barge uh, built by Sega. Mm. So she's a little bit like a Piper boat, but um, obviously Sega don't exist anymore. And mm. uh, she's sort of a bit of a, a rare beast now, if you like. There's not that many of them about anymore. 
So, uh, how wide is she? Ten point six feet wide. So wow. she's not she's not huge. She's not a huge barge by any by any means, and she's just under fifteen meters. She's uh, forty eight foot long. But she's small and she's compact. And um, for the two of us, there's only the two of us and the dog. Uh, she's ideal and yeah. she's the best of both worlds if you like because we can do the majority of um, the English waterways um, but she's also got that little bit more space but it's strange because as we've gone through different countries in some countries she seems or is classed as being really big and in other countries she's classed as being really small <laughs> so we've had quite fun yeah. with her you know we can we can squeeze her into little <laughs> places still and then in other places, she's she looks massive. So, yeah, you adapt to each country. Was it always your intention to get a wide beam boat? Yes, we we looked at narrow boats, but um, to be honest, I am not much much good at tiller steering. Believe it or not, after all the years right. I've been boating, <laughs> so okay. I've I've wanted something really with with a wheel. Yeah, and uh, that was. That was really, and we wanted something that we could have room to to live aboard because we knew we would be living aboard or spending extended periods of time yeah. on board. So, um, yeah, it was the Dutch barge, but it was all it was always the intention to have a smaller one. It was never mm. an intention to have a a huge one. I see. After acquiring the boat, did it require any work, or was it pretty much ready to cruise? No, she was she was ready to cruise the. Um, the gentleman that we purchased her from was actually a carpenter for Sega at the time. So he was in the process of, of fitting her out. And to be honest, she was almost completely completely finished. And we were very mm. lucky because he'd fitted her with some really good quality items and things, things that are still using today. And yeah, she was she was ready to go. He'd had the forethought to sort of cover all waterways with her. He'd fitted a, a Houdini hatch at the front with um, with bars across for breaking waves and things like that. Oh, so right. we, we could okay. go out on the coast and things without having to worry about fitting those sort of things first. And it's something that you probably just dismiss or not worry about. But to us, it was all the little things like that which. Mm. were there in place so she was ready to sort of go on her adventures which is really what we yeah, did yeah that's fantastic and you spent the first few years um based at Farndon on the River Trent yes we love we love Farndon and um we're actually back there now uh Farndon Marina oh, wow. is from where all the adventures started and yeah it's it's home it's it's we class it's it as home and no matter where we've gone gone in Europe when you have to fill in your marina forms, it's always Fonda Marina as home port. And we love the oh, Trent. Lovely. I absolutely adore the River Trent. Yeah, I love it. Oh, yes. Okay. The tidal sections and the, you know, the non-tidal sections. Equally. Yes. Yeah. It took me a, a while to get used to the tidal stretches. We've not yet ventured down there since we've returned back to the UK. But we're looking forward mm. to hopefully doing that later this year. But yeah, I, lo- I love it. Love the Trent. I, lo- I like the fact that it's a little bit edgy. It's still got that sort of side where, you know, you have to be really aware of what's going on. It's um, yeah. I know I can understand why some people wouldn't like it, um, but yeah, for me, I, I love it. I, it's it's a little bit of a challenge, and I like that. Yes, obviously, given how far and wide you've travelled. <laughs> 
How do you feel about the connecting waterweights to the Trent, the Chesterfield and Stainforth and Keebe, etc.? My favourite is the um, Fosdyke and Witham. I love the ruralness of the, the Witham, especially down to Boston. Right. And um, yeah, I could spend all my time down there. And of course, it's got the water railway running alongside so you can get out on your bike or go for long walks with yeah, the dog indeed, and yeah. you're in the middle of countryside so yeah and, and of course Lincoln Lincoln's fantastic you go, you go right through Lincoln and, and the glory hole and yeah and it's fa- fantastic what about the Fenland scenery yeah I love that and I know that it's not to everyone's taste I mean one of one of our um, most epic trips and even now my husband still calls it his red letter day was when we took Lily from Boston across the wash to Kings Lynn and we had a whole season on the fens and we actually went over for the IWA national boat show festival when they used to um have those yeah the big national yeah we were the only Dutch barge that actually attended that because I think one of the reasons being because of course she was small enough to fit through the locks and get up to St Ives whereas any bigger ones wouldn't have been able to have made it up (laughs) but Yeah, yeah. yeah But my, yeah, my husband still calls that his red yeah. letter day. So we dropped anchor off Blackguard Sands and went ashore, and uh, and it. seals were on the sandbank, and it's just it was perfect, perfect days cruising. That was wonderful. As you've spent a considerable amount of time cruising the waterways of Holland, I'm wondering how they compare with the Fenlands. Well, they're very similar. And you don't mind the flat scenery, the big skies. No, I like that. I like that um, the feeling of space and freedom. Mm. And the other thing that these places have got going for them is is the bird life. It's just amazing. The bird life in um, the Netherlands is fantastic. You know, huge flocks of of geese, and of course you get spoonbills out there as well. We were in Friesland, so up in the north there, and um, that that was lovely. But yeah, that's very very similar to the to the Fenlands in this country. Where can't you go in your boat? Where are you restricted from? Well, we can, obviously we can't go we can't go on any of the narrow canals in this country. But um, mm, yeah, we, we you know we try our best. We were told we wouldn't fit through the lock at um, at Bedford on the um, on the on the Fenlands, but but we squeezed through there. <laughs> much to everyone's disbelief <laughs> so yeah we can we can go to, go to the majority of places yeah yeah this is probably an obvious question but are you do you permanently live on a float are you continuous cruisers you and roger we've never actually been classed as um continuous cruisers we, right. we've, we've sort of lived aboard for, for periods of time mm. um but we've always tried to have a land base whether that be like my my parents' home, or when we were travelling through Europe, one of the reasons we were able to do that is because of my husband's work. Um, so we had to have a land base for mm. his work. Mm. So we would sort of spend times backwards and forwards. A lot of the time, I would be on the boat. I I prefer the boat, so we'd often spend time apart. Um, I think I remember speaking to you actually once. One winter when I was in Sweden, yes, uh, I do by remember. myself, and I think you were quite shocked that I said to you that yes. I was up there by myself with the dog. 
<laughs> in like minus, cold, minus yeah. 20. And yes, exactly. I was thinking, <laughs> I was a bit worried, yeah, quite frankly. But uh, it's um, because of his work, really, that we were able to travel through through Europe with the boat because uh, the base was in Denmark. So mm. we were able to sort of, we were almost like bringing Lily home as we travelled through Europe. Mm. Oh, and lovely. Bringing her closer and closer. And we actually, Lily was on Roskilde Fjord for a year, which was literally sort of 10 minutes drive from, from the house. So, um, yeah, that was very special, the moment that we we turned up with Lily in the, <laughs> the home waters of, as such because she's still got um, Nottingham written on her as well. So it's like, it's like it was oh, unbelievable. Right. You know, we both said to each other, you know, who would believe that little Dutch barge Lily from Nottingham is in Roskilde Fjord in Denmark? Yeah. It's just... Yes. Yeah, amazing. Fantastic. Waterways World has been Britain's best-selling canals and rivers magazine since 1972. In each monthly issue, you'll find the latest waterway news, practical advice on boat buying and boat ownership, reviews of the latest craft and equipment, a pull-out cruising guide to help you plan your next trip, first-hand accounts of Waterways Live and insights into the history and heritage of our canals and rivers. For subscription offers, visit waterwaysworld.com where you'll also find a searchable magazine archive, our interactive Ask an Expert Advice section and our Boat Search feature, the most comprehensive listing of canal boats for sale you'll find online. That's waterwaysworld.com. In 2009, you spent time in Ireland as well, didn't you? Uh, yeah, we had uh, three years in in Ireland. Um, yeah. Again, that was Roger's work, which yeah. took us to Ireland first of all. And it's the holiday before that really sort of whetted our appetites for going to Ireland. But yeah, um, yeah those three years there, again, we learnt so much because the locks are so huge and we really sort of got to grips with anchoring and weather conditions on the lakes because they they're classed as inland seas and they are and they have such angry tempers sometimes especially uh, Loch Derg and Loch Ree they can be quite ferocious in bad weather but they're right. also so beautiful and uh, yeah Did- we learned a lot there and we got involved with the Inland Waterways Association of Ireland and um we were lucky enough to actually rent Colonel Harry Rice's house, who was one of the founder members, um, which oh, is wow. now being um, transformed into a joint meeting room and lifeboat station for the RNLI. So that's, that's a really big project that we're sort of involved in at the moment with them. And uh, that's going to make the lake much safer place for all waterways users when that's actually completed which will hopefully be later this year. So yeah, Ireland is yeah, Ireland is very special to us. What is it particularly about the, the Irish waterways that you like? I think again it's the fact that it's a lake system. I like the open yeah. spaces. Mm. The fact that mm. the uh, cruising is it's so diverse. You can be in a canal cut in you know for a few miles and then out in a huge lake and then on a river section. It's the variety and the change mm. of the landscape, 
And the Irish people are lovely as well. Yeah. Everybody knows that all around the world. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. And are there many other boats to contend with on the Irish waterways, or are they very quiet? When we were there, it was rather quiet, but mm. um, it's a lot busier now, and they, a bit like us, I think, are um, trying to deal with the liverboard situation. Oh, right. That's a problem in Ireland as well. In Dublin, especially, and on the canals, yeah. I'm involved with the Liverboard subcommittee, and at the moment we're writing up a draft policy which will be presented to Waterways Ireland in the hope to try and help people that want to be residential and live aboard full-time in Ireland, try and create some more moorings and more facilities for them. And that's something which is... I'm really keen... Mm. I want I want people to be able to live their lives on the waterways and enjoy it like we've been able to enjoy it. Things have changed so much in the years we've been boating. I don't like the fact that people are it's getting busy and people are getting crammed into little spaces. Everybody needs their own space to live and be aware of the environment and everything around them and experience the waterways for the beauty they are rather than just you know a dirty old canal. It all needs to be all come together and we all need to live mm. side by side and appreciate what we've got. And, uh, yeah, that's that's another huge project that um, mm. I'm involved in at the moment. So in Ireland, do they have continuous cruiser status like the English and uh, Welsh waterways? It's not, it's not quite the same, but uh, I think that this is something that they'll, um, they'll be looking at in association with the liverboard and residential moorings. They have different um, different types of uh, licensing well, permits, they're called out there. But I think mm. it's all something that will be up for review in the coming years. And um, I can see it going more more that way. I, didn't, I had no idea that there was a, 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 liver, a big uh, liverboard uh, community in uh, Dublin. But um, I guess house prices there are very Yeah, expensive. when we were in Ireland, it didn't really exist. There were one or two. But um, in the intervening years while we've been away, it's really, it's really grown and it's really flourished. And there are people now as a big liverboard community. And, um, yeah, it needs, they need to have more facilities, mm. more pump-out facilities, more water taps and, and, and moorings and to be safe and secure and just to be able to live their lives. You know, people are struggling, but they've come to the waterways because – because they're drawn to the waterways. I know some people have also come because it's a cheaper lifestyle. I think the majority come because they're drawn to the beauty of the waterways, but there's not any infrastructure there to really support them. So we, we need to look at that. That's, I think it's important. Yeah, definitely. Is Ireland your favourite of the countries that you've visited? It's not my real, real best favourite. It's probably my second best favourite. I absolutely fell in love with Sweden. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I absolutely, I loved Sweden. Go on, tell me more. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. We, um, we arrived there with no expectations and just totally fell in love with it. We were so welcomed by the people. We were at the, when we visited the Dolsons Canal, we very nearly didn't go to the Dolsons Canal. We were going to go across Lake Vannon and onto the Gota Canal. And I said to my husband, no, I'd like to go 
to Dalston's Canal and see the famous aqueduct. And we got there and the timing was just perfect. And they were coming up for their 150th anniversary and the canal director has um, got a real fascination for unusual boats. So, of course, when we arrived, he came down and met us and we were sort of treated a bit like royalty, to be honest with you. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, they, they say Dalsland is Sweden in miniature because it has a little bit of everything from the whole country in one region. So right. you can go from from vast forests to sort of sandy beaches within a short distance. Right. And the Dalsland's Canal is just amazing. It's, it's rural, um, but it's again a lake system but it is through some of the densest forest and and mountains and it goes right the way up into Norway which was when we we ventured into Norway the, the mm. main lake the Storali half of it is in Norway and half of it is in Sweden and it, it's just magical out of this world absolutely adored it and of course we got to share the waterway with things like beavers and grey-throated divers and You'd see moose roaming around in the forest, so it was it's like another world. It's like yeah, it's like yeah. watching TV through through the wheelhouse of your boat. <laughs> That's a great description. Yeah, I assume that with there being so much wildlife, that there's not much boat traffic. Then they're quiet. The season is very short. The uh, season starts in June, and it and it's all over by sort of middle of August. They stay right. open for a little bit longer. They dedicate like the end of the year to canoeists and swimmers, and right. um, and then it's just, it's just completely dead. You have like six months of of, of winter. It's it's closed. Yeah. But um, we were so lucky because we got to rent a private mooring from the canal company in the middle of this lake with a little summer house, and it was just oh, I just can't explain to you how beautiful it was. It was it was right. cold, and it was hard work yeah. lugging logs down for the stove and things every day. Oh, but really? Those, right? Yeah, yeah. Those winters there were, yeah, those winters there were were amazing. We had a a, a ice master fan underneath the hull to keep Lily ice free because she was on a on a huge lake, and it freezes, you know, f- really <sighs> freezes hard. You know, the fishermen walk out and and fish. They drill holes in the in the lake around the boat and, and fish so wow. we had a nice fan underneath which is like a circulating fan which brings up the warmer water from the bed of the lake circulates it around the boat and creates a circle in the ice so that was i used to call it my ice free zone i lived in my ice free zone <laughs> for, for the winter but of course that also attracted things like the deer would walk across the ice and come and drink out of the hole that we'd created oh, around right. around the boat, right. and um, yeah, it's just it's a, it's another world, totally another world. It sounds like it. Does it not get really dark there in um, winter? I mean, you know, don't don't you get can't you go days without daylight? Or? No, we weren't we weren't that far north, but the days are short. It wouldn't get really light till about 10 o'clock in the morning and then it would be dark by three in the afternoon but uh when when the when the sun's out during the day even if it's it can be sort of minus 15 the sun comes out and you get that absolutely piercing blue sky and it can be really warm it's not it's not as cold as you think and of course it's a dry cold 
not not a wet, damp, cold. So you can still do things. I mean, me and the dog yeah. would still go out for a couple of hours walk in the day, and um, yeah, it's it's not as bad as it's not as bad as it sounds. No, no, okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not a heat lover. So for me, Sweden was ideal. The summers are very short and, and, and they can be hot, but, but they're short. And then yeah. the autumn is long and, and the winter is long. So for me and for what I feel more comfortable in, it was an ideal country. I wonder if you don't like hot weather, how you got on with being aboard a, the syndicate narrowboat in Burgundy, because I, I'm, I mean, narrowboats can get quite hot in very hot weather, can't they? And was that ever a problem? The syndicate boat wasn't a narrowboat. It was a Dutch steel cruiser. Oh, okay. Stevens cruiser. But yeah, you're right though. It did get hot because it's all glass windows. So um, yeah, it did get it did get very hot, and uh, we did used to struggle <laughs> in the heat. Yeah, I must admit, but. Uh, yeah, we used to take a, a little fan with us that we used to plug in. Uh, yeah, when I look back on it now, it's so sort of, you know, younger days of of youth, isn't it? You know, yeah, you sort of put up with anything course, if yeah. it's something you're really keen to do. Now, now I'm a bit older. I like my creature comforts <laughs> a bit more, and I'd, I'd I would struggle. I mean, I struggle in this country in the summer. Right. So you know, Lily has a little as a little air conditioning unit that we put put on in the summer but i tend to try and avoid being on her in the summer for that reason right okay. because it's it's busier as well mm. on the waterways mm. so for me things will really sort of kick off in september time when right. everyone else is packing up we'll be off <laughs> i expect that's what we try and do so you're a true out of season boater yeah now yeah, that's that's what i prefer yeah Alison, you wrote a book called Boating with Buster, which is about your adventures with your late pet beagle, Buster. Yeah. He was a big part of your life, wasn't he? Yeah, Buster was a huge, huge part of our lives. Mm. And uh, he, he came everywhere with us. And it was actually at the IWA show in St Ives where he, he was christened by the members, the Admiral, because of his um, quite offish look he used to give everyone when they walked past the boat and that sort of stuck stuck with him but uh yeah so boating with buster covers for you know our, our lives with the some of the holidays that we had prior to getting lily and yeah. buster because they came along quite close together right through to the year we were in in denmark so yeah, the, he, he came everywhere with us. He was very adaptable, and uh, he is, was a great talking point as well as, as the boat. You know, people would quite often come and, and speak to the dog, and then they speak to you, and then the, then this come and can we come and see the boat and all this sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're very much a little group. We're a little unit, but Buster was, um, yeah, a real character. And you really liked the boating life. Yeah, he loved it. He loved it. He was, to be honest, when he got older and he was a little bit poorly and he had bad back leg problems, it was actually a godsend because he could sit in the wheelhouse and still get to see the the world going by and experience different smells and things without having to do the exercise to get there, which would have caused his legs problems. 
So it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he loved it. And um, we, we had we had a lot of fun with him. You know, he'd jump in and out the dinghy and we'd go ashore and things and on canals. He'd trot along the towpath with us. And, yeah, mm. he was a real yeah. character and he looked after us. And I don't think I would have spent so much time alone on the boat if it hadn't been through the dog because not only was he a companion, but he was a little bit of a guard dog as well and I always felt safe with him there as well. I've got a lot to, lot to thank him for. Buster sadly passed away in 2015, but you now have another dog. Yeah, we've got little Maxie now. He's uh, another beagle. He's exa- he looks exactly the same as Buster, actually, <laughs> except a little bit um, thinner and a little bit shorter. Yeah. Uh, he was um, he was bought in Denmark, so he came straight onto the boat when he was 10 weeks old. So um, he's sort of grown up with her, and he's been all through Denmark and Sweden with us. So... Uh, but yeah, this is his first time back in the in the UK. So I think he's struggling a bit with the damp weather. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, it's not great today, is it? No, no. Alison, you mentioned earlier that you grew up by the Chichester Canal. I just wondered what your experiences of that waterway are, because most people don't really know about the Chichester. It's the Chichester Ship Canal, and it, it um, runs from Chichester Harbour into the city of Chichester, and then there was a another link which linked through to the River Arran, which was then the Portsmouth and Arundel Canal. But it's the, the arm, the branch to the Chichester Canal, which has played the biggest part in my life because my father was uh, brought up alongside it in a little village. And uh, that was their, their playground, him and his siblings. They would uh, walk along the canal to to get to school, to get into town. My grandfather although he was blind was a great carp fisherman and he used to know all the best places down the Chichester canal to go and catch a carp yeah and that's been my, my main connection to that and uh, yeah. you speaking about boating with buster we actually had the book launch there and the Chichester canal society oh, put all right. that on for us and we hired their boat richmond and um they couldn't do enough for us we had a fantastic time because they run trips up to uh, as far as you can get because the the um, the last part of it into Chichester Harbour is has not been restored yet. So um, yeah, they run a trip boat along the restored section, and that was where we had a had a book launch with boating boating with Buster, and that was mm. a fantastic day. We had a lovely fish and chip meal on board. And I think my my dad kept everyone entertained because he, of course, told them all of these childhood stories about about the canal and about living there. And of course, a lot of them didn't know that because my dad is like sadly he's passed away now, but he was uh, in his eighties, oh, so you know he could give them a bit of insight to what it was like when he was a child, yeah. which was really nice. But when I was a lad, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's always. The waterways and the canals have always had a, a little. They've always been there, but it hasn't been like a huge, a huge part. And and at the other end of uh, the Chichester Canal, when it turns into the Portsmouth and Arundel Canal, my other side of my family were from a little village called Aldingbourne, and uh, that's not far from the canal at that end. And my mum's got loads of old black and white photographs of them going down there and having picnics on the canal banks and things like that. So there's always been a there's always been a connection. 
So you're based at Farnden now, and I guess you have been for the best part of a couple of years due to lockdown restrictions. Yeah. yeah. How did you find that? It's been difficult. It's been difficult for us. We've sort of been stuck in one place really, as much as mm. most other people have. I think we've been we've been out on Lily. I think twice since since mm. we returned. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 been a nightmare, and I, I'm itching to get going. <laughs> to be honest with you, but uh, you know we've done some some jobs and things. My husband's in the in the middle of painting the roof and and things like that. But yeah, I, I want to I want to get away <laughs> <Naturally>. <laughs> like everybody else. I want to get on the river and go. Do you have any future plans? Yeah, we'd like to we'd like to go to Scotland. It's one of those places that. We've never quite got to. There's been always been plans to go there, and it's always for some reason not come off or mm. just been out of reach. But that would be a like the biggest, the biggest plan would be to go to Scotland. And again, if we go, it wouldn't just be a season. We'd like to go and sort of at least have an overwinter there, or perhaps a couple of years there. So, but until COVID is is really sort of under more control, I don't really want to move the boat over the border not knowing what the situation's going to be. How would you get the boat there? Would you uh, low loader it? I'm not sure. We've, um, you know, we've done coastal trips, as you know. You know, we've been across the Baltic and up the um, Swedish coast on the Kitty Cats Sea, which is um, pretty ferocious at times. But oh, the sea's a different kettle of fish. And, and I don't mind doing the odd sea trip, but it, I'm not comfortable on the sea. No. You know, it is a dangerous place. And although I don't mind the odd trip or using it for access to inland waterways, it's not somewhere where I'm, I feel comfortable, mm. you know. So I don't know. We may low load up and and come back along the coast, something like that. Yeah. Is the Caledonian Canal on your visiting list? Yeah, that's what we'd like to do, the Caledonian oh, Canal and the Crinan Canal, perhaps perhaps some of the islands as well. But my husband also would like to do some of the lowland canals in Scotland as well and, um, you know, go and see the um, the Falkirk Wheel and the, and the Cowpies as well. So yeah. if, if we go, it'll be... It'll you know it'll take some planning and it'll be a it'll be a big adventure like all our trips are. I don't want to just yeah. go for a, for like a holiday. If I go, I'd like to go and experience the whole package, so to speak. It sounds great. Well, if you do go, do let me know because we've run a lot <laughs> of your features in the magazine over the years, and you do give readers a real insight into boating beyond the English and Welsh waterway system. Um, so as I say, do stay in touch if you do go. Yeah, I will. And waterways, waterways world have, have always been there. It's thanks to your um, editor Hugh Potter all those years ago when we were out in France that all of this started really because um, he saw something in my writing and sort of nurtured it a bit and published things and and it's gone on from there really. So yeah. thank you. Well, that's nice to know. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Alison. It's been great talking to you. It's been lovely to speak to you too. Thanks very much. For over 45 years, the ABC Leisure Group has been at the forefront of the waterways leisure industry. With 15 strategically placed marinas around the UK, it has hundreds of moorings with modern facilities and a range of benefits. 
ABC also runs a successful and competitive boat brokerage business. See abcboatsales.com, as well as over 200 luxury hire boats and day boats. Visit abcboathire.com. Furthermore, it offers a range of land-based holiday accommodation, including waterside holiday cottages and caravan parks. Visit abcholidaycottages.com.